know, we know what we have. We know that we have DP caliber players, but not because they just possess that quality, but they possess the human quality as well, the personal quality, right? So they're just good human beings. Um, and we like to start, and I've said it many times in interviews, the person first. Welcome to the first City Voice podcast of 2024. If you are new to this show, this is a podcast built to get you closer to the people in the building of St. Louis City SC. Um, and if you like this podcast, make sure you give us a review after the show, our guests check, and that's the only way they come back. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, Bradley Carnell, uh, head coach of St. Louis City, is joining us on an exceptionally special week. You've just signed a contract extension. Welcome to the show, Bradley. Yeah, thanks for having us and happy new year. Um, Bradley, I think it's uh, February 1st. You signed on January the 31st. Um, how do you, how does it feel to have a... Yeah, nothing changes, you know. Um, for me, it's just a piece of paper. Um, and there's some dates on there that might be a, a little bit extended, right? So, but for me, continuing this journey to be part of this club, I mean, look where we're sitting. Look at this backdrop. I mean, f I think there's so many envious people out there. And, uh, you know, I would be one of them. Uh, if I wasn't inside these buildings, right? So just to be part of this every single day, to spend this journey with the players and to see how much we've grown as a group, as an organization, you know, my, my staff, my team, it's, it's been amazing, uh, this process. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, for me, it's about the family, right? So family decisions uh, come first in my life and uh, we feel very, very comfortable here in St. Louis. The city's been amazing. The people have been amazing. The culture is amazing. So, you know, why, you know, even think of anything else if uh, you're so settled here. So last season was pretty intense. Um, you had a bit of time off. How was the break for you? The great, uh, the break was good. You know, it's oftentimes when I wake up in the morning and uh, on the weekend on a Saturday or a Sunday and I'm up at 6.30 watching EPL or something and my wife's like, seriously? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> There's a couple of games to watch. There's some new things to explore and, and to have a look at how the game model might change and, and what we might explore. It's a good time to get some downtime. Um, but there never really is any downtime. During the break, we had obviously the super draft and uh, we got, uh, you know, t two key acquisitions there um, with Jose Kojima and Brennan McSorley. So, you know, the work was never really done. And then you're always planning one step ahead for preseason. So it's always, you know, one, th one step after the other. And um, yeah, I always said, if you, if you have too much time on your hands, it's not a good thing because either you're not working or you're not taking your craft seriously enough. So yes, it's good to get downtime um, and decompress, but it, I, I like to keep going. When signing a new deal, um, what are the sporting considerations that sort of convince you? Yeah, listen, I think it's, you know, we're in a unique position to start something from the ground up. And I was be able to be, you know, part of that, you know, facilitation process in 2022 um, to sort of plant the seeds and, and to grow City 2 along with, with Hack and, and Lutz and, you know, everybody else involved. And uh to, to do, be part of that and then to, you know, lay those foundations and then to hit the ground running in 2023. I mean, and, and to see within a game model of a belief system how we like to do things within our way, not just any other generic way. It's our way. It's specific to um, this community. It's specific to the club and the DNA of our individual player profiles. So, you know, to, to see that grow and, and continue growing and, and players, you know, I don't want to call it overachieving because, yeah, we got a bunch of hungry guys, ambitious guys. We brought them together within a style of play um, and truly got rewarded for it, right? So you can go from the top down. Everybody, you know, really 
took on this new concept or took on our concept and ran with it. And I think everyone's flourished. You mentioned the, the, the people of St. Louis City. You've been here for uh, you know, a while now. Uh, are you starting to get the, the recognition when you're out? How much, um, how much did their input with you play a role in uh, wanting to stay for, for some, some yeah. more time? The hairs on the back of my neck just you know, stand up every time I think about it because it's extremely humbling. Um, you know, this level of exposure, you know, when I played in Germany, um, going downtown or going to restaurants in the evenings, there you got a lot of, a lot of recognition, positive and negative, because, you know, uh, the fan culture is slightly different in Europe. Um, but here, because of the season that we had, it was incredibly uh, rewarding, overwhelming. And it felt like, wow, this is, you know, this fan culture that has been, I wouldn't say created here, but um, I would say that the fan culture here that already exists almost feels like a European scale type of club, like a really traditional club. I mean, I played for Borussia Mönchengladbach and, and those are one of the best fan cultures in Germany, in the Bundesliga. And I would just be like, wow, this feels so similar. Like people going to the, the local fitness studios in city gear, the, the local restaurants. I'm seeing, you know, hoodies and pullovers at the bakery in the morning. I'm seeing all the, all the fan gear. So, um, and to be part of that, to be the guy, you know, in terms of coaching the team, I'm just steering the ship here, you know. Um, but there's so many layers behind me and we're all so humbled by this process and, and the recognition and the reward. For sure there's testing times and we get challenged and it doesn't always go our way. But to see the city backing us and supporting us, uh, yeah, I'm speechless. So you're a, you're a forward looking guy, but um, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about last season. And now you've had a bit of time to decompress and have a think about it. What are some of your favorite memories that you'll cherish forever from um, last season? Yeah, there's so many. I mean, listen, the very first win on the first time out away in, in Austin was, I remember sitting on the bench five minutes, three minutes before the end, you know, or in injury time and looking at the bench and saying, is this really going to happen? Is this really going to happen first time around, first time out? Um, and then obviously it did. And the way we got challenged, we came back, we fought our way back. And then we, you know, get the go-ahead goal with Klaus and we hold it, we hold it down, some hairy moments at the end of it. Um, but that was a massive moment for us. And then you get the momentum to go the 5-0-0. Um, I could even take it back to the pre very first preseason game against Philadelphia Union, where our boys went head to head, toe to toe with, you know, an MLS contender. Um, at that time and you know really chest against chest really taking them and putting them in a tough game and that was our first time out as a group um, and that gave me hope and inspiration and then you know you go the 5-0-0 it's a massive moment for us and then you know obviously 17 wins but you know on the field I would say you know in the second half of the season um, we got challenged many times um, but to go away Minnesota go go a goal down fight back one of Klaus's first games back we win 2-1 uh, losing away at, at uh, Houston, fight back, we tie, get a point on the road, 1-1. One, one. Um, that showed character and resolve from the group. Um, so we have this fighting mentality in us. Um, are we trying to instill that even more so this season? Yes, 100%. Um, but those are probably the standout moments. I mean, yeah, listen, the, the, the rain game, Cincinnati, <laughs> here at home where... You know, we get delayed for two, three hours and then 18,000 fans come back and, you know, cheer us on and will us on to victory. Um, and I think the scoreline was just a, a gift to the fans because, yeah, everything went right for us on, on that evening. So, you know, those are some of the key moments I'll take away. 
It was your first full season uh, in charge of a team. What was uh, your one lesson that you took away? Was there one thing that you're like, that, that's, my, that's my learning from the year? Yeah, you come here with a set of ideas and you come here with a set of, you, you know, how you perceive the things to be. But then there's also a staff that you have and people around you that may have more experience than you or, you know, different walks of life and get to listen to them too. Um, and so that assisted me massively, right? As part of being a leader of a group, it's not always your way uh, and you find a way that works best for the group. Um, and I thought those were nice mo learning moments for me as well because, you know, being totally rigid is sometimes not a good thing and, and being a little bit open to explore and listen and, and take bits and pieces of information um, and, and a lot of that information came from the players because, you know, I told them that, you know, I'm, I'm driving their bus and wherever their bus wants to go, I will take them. All right. So I rely on them for information as well, because it's no use me having training methods and coming up with ideas. And if we don't believe them, if we don't buy into them. So, you know, credit to the group for challenging me as well. And, um, you know, I had my ways coming into this job, but then you get to explore different character traits, different personalities, different skill sets on the field, and which now allows me to be a little bit um, flexible in my approach. And I think um, we, all, we all gained, I would say, you know. Is there a non-sporting moment that sticks out for you? Um, no, I mean, yeah, I, I believe I have a, a purpose in life. I believe, you know, my journey as a as it within this game that gave so much to me always to give back and you know then it's you know I look at my family and to spend moments with my family in the days that we have off or you know the minimal time that we get to spend um between games and between trainings and yeah just grateful for those moments spending time with family and obviously when you know one daughter goes off to college um then there's only one I have one more child at home um, so spending time with, with her as well, because the talk, the clock is ticking, <laughs> you know, and eventually they'll, they'll all be out the house. And so spending time with family for me has become, you know, I wouldn't say it's become more increasingly, um, monumental in, in, in this journey, but it's, you know, I've always been family first man and spending these moments with these challenging times and within this industry, it's just the moments I get to share at home are great. That's great. So let's talk about close season. Um, you've already mentioned that you were, you're an always on guy when it comes to football. Um, when does the assessment of the previous season start? Is it something that you're always thinking about as the season goes on or do you do like a yeah. sort of big debrief at the end? We for sure do a big debrief um, of which, you know, Diego's also involved, Lutz is involved, you know, um, Part of it is pride because, you know, whether it's gone good or bad, we like to poke holes in what we are doing and, and like to validate and, and prove why we are doing what we're doing is the correct way. Um, but within that, there's all little micro cycles of why we, you know, how we track things and are we on track. And, you know, it's easy when it's going well, but when it's not going well, then what are you doing the extra bits? You know, how are you involving, you know, is it more unit meetings? Is it more involving the players? Are you tracking style of play? So what I usually do is through the season, you know, we keep databases, um, not just goals scored for or against. We track six game blocks, how we did in those windows. What was our averages, goals, uh, shots taken, shots against, you know, uh, field tilt positional profiles, like how we, you know, assess individually in, 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 the, in the units. Um, so, yeah, we track these things as we're going um, and pretty much at a, at a mid-year debrief with the staff, we, we see where we are and, and where we want to go and things we need to improve on. Um, but each game gives you a new picture. Each game, you know, each month gives you a, a new cycle and a new picture, right? So 
Um, we track those in, in six game blocks and, and we see what comes out of those, um, what the data suggests, what the eye test suggests, um, and we work from there. So it's always a work in progress. And at the end of the season, you know, based on my previous working relationships with, with other clubs, you build your style of play video and how it's evolved and how it's changing and, you know, how you're adapting to new players and new moments. And so we, we've done a, you know, a really good job with that. And I think we have an amazing staff who put in those hours um, to get the job done and to be ready to present and be ready to, to collate and capture all the data. How much of an idea do you have on um, who's going to stay and who's going to go? Like you, you finish the season with a certain squad and then all sorts of chaos happens um, during a, a number of weeks. How much of that can you can you plan for or do you plan for? Yeah, I think you know you you have a core squad to work with. You know, I think there might be based on the year that you have, there key interested parties, clubs looking for new players. And there's always little questions that, you know, how much do you take them seriously from little, uh, like, you know, other clubs, um, you know, trying to sprinkle some interest. Um, so you're trying to take that with a little grain of salt, um, not to overthink it because there's a lot of talk in this business and there's a lot of, you know, interested offers and a lot of things on the table, but you know, how much do I need to know? How much do I want to know? and how we're gonna act if, if certain things happen and fall into place. So it's always good to know, um, but after a season like we had, we knew we were gonna have interested parties from other clubs and Nico Giochini is one of them. Um, and, and Nico's dream was always to go back to Europe. So, you know, to play a facilitating role in his dream, to pursue his dream to get back to Europe. Um, we knew that was one department where we'll probably lose Nico. Um, but then again, it's always an opportunity. So I see departures as opportunities. Do you see, um, do you think that that sends a message to the, to the market that this is a place to, to come and realize your yeah. dreams? Is, I that, think, is that important? To- I think it is important. I think within a certain style of play, you know, I think, yeah, a lot of teams are spending, you know, a lot of money um, and a lot of teams are investing. We've always invested in the team. Um, not just the individual. So, and I think part of that you've seen on, on full display last year. Um, I think you've seen it at City too. And, you know, we don't want to be the cheapest team in the league, you know, but we want to be the most competitive team in the league. And yeah, sometimes when, you know, the more expensive the players become, the more maintenance they become as well. So then there's, um, there could potentially be other issues, you know, in and around on the field, off the field. Um, so again, it's not always the case. Um, but for us, it's always important to know that when we acquire a player, um, when we are working with a player to believe in a certain way, to believe in our way, to commit to our way. And, you know, the players that we've had last year, January, if you looked at all their values now, um, even a Roman Berkey's value has gone up. Even a Edu Leuven's value has gone up. So um, everyone's skyrocketed, right? And, and credit to the group for being willing and open to learn. This growth mindset of ours has been incredible to work with. Yeah. So you've, you've lost Nico and Jared Stroud, two um, big personalities yeah. on the pitch. Um, how does that affect the mood of the camp? Yeah, I mean, it's always emotional to see guys go, especially with guys who invested so much and um, got rewarded so much and, and helped the city and helped the club to get to, you know, these historical moments. Um, but everything has a 
has a life on it, a, a, a date, right? So, I mean, I'm sitting here, who knows, you know, in five, 10 years time, what the case might be, right? So, and, and that things escalated a little bit quicker than, than planned with, with Nico or, you know, with, with Jared, that, that's just the nature of the game, right? And then it's also the nature of the game and something we believe in very much is opportunities. Opportunities now for other players to step up. And we showed many positive moments of that last year with our sort of plug and play system, the hybrid system, you know, all rounder system where guys can play multiple positions, guys, you know, you know, we, we're playing four days every four days in, during that Leagues Cup uh, break, you know, changing formations and, and you know, still getting results. Um, for us, that that escalated really quickly with Jared, you know, and, um, yeah, Jared was really excited to take on, take on that new challenge. Um, and I know Nico was as well. So again, we are just here to facilitate players' dreams and, and purpose. Within that, they repay us with great, dedicated, hard work and the, everyone gets rewarded, right? So we do well in the moment, they do well in the future. So, uh, you know, I believe in that. Nothing changes. It's part of the game. You've been around a lot of dressing rooms, um, both as a player and, and as a coach. Can you feel when... It- players are ready to take the step up like can you see you know the way they carry themselves in the dressing room do you, are you feeling any of those vibes pre-season already yeah I do I mean and and we've seen bits and pieces last season you know um sometimes timing might have not uh, been on a player's side or an injury might have not been on a player's side but huge potential um this year I'm seeing a lot of guys coming with renewed vigor renewed energy um, and I can, you know, go around the horn, but I'm looking at like a Celio Pompeu to step up to, to the plate. I'm looking at a Thomas Ostrak, you know, who's, who's got tons of quality, um, you know, quick feet, really a difference maker in certain parts of the field. Um, and this is an opportunity, right? So, you know, I think the players can do the math themselves. They look at two players gone. They're looking around, they're looking at the, <laughs> checking their own shoulders and saying, all right, all right, here we are. This is us now. Um, let's get to work. So I'm seeing great energy in the training. Um, and it's always a joy to be, you know, part of a group through hard preseason days, um, double days, and, and to see the players at the end of it, arm in arm, sharing a joke while they're cooling down or stretching down. Um, and it just shows that we have a special group. Fans know that there's um, a DP position uh, available in the club and they see other clubs are spending lots of money. Yeah. Um, the strategy of City is is building stars yeah. and unearthing gems. Do you still feel that that is the right approach moving forward? Yeah, if you look at what we did last year, right? So we got, I don't want to disrespect anybody in our locker room and myself, but we're a bunch of nobodies, right? So we're a bunch of nobodies with a point to prove. Um, some guys were on the out and out based on injuries, based on performance, based on history, based on age. I, I don't know. Um, never got opportunity. Um, you know, I don't think Nico Giochini was in the, the question mark that he is now, you know, because he joined us. Orlando, yeah, didn't really value him. They let him go on an expansion draft, right? So, yeah, we picked up uh, Nico based on certain profiles, based on certain principles and uh, we saw certain weapons, qualities that he possesses within our game model. So, you know, now it takes the character, it takes resolve, it takes grit and resilience to to fight that urge to quit when it gets hard because we push to the limits, we go all the way. So for for those guys, and that's why I say it, the player gets rewarded when they stick to these principles because Nico's value is not the same as what it was when he walked in these doors in January of 2023 as they were now. And that's why we were able to capitalize and help him achieve you know the next chapter of his career. So I think it goes hand in hand. And I think um, the DP status is always a tricky one. You know, we know what we have. We know that we have... 
DP caliber players, but not because they just possess that quality, but they possess the human quality as well, the personal quality, right? So they're just good human beings. Um, and we like to start, and I've said it many times in interviews, the person first, right? Um, and if they commit to this process um, and buy into it, um, and we believe in a certain way, and our way is not the most flashiest, uh, maybe for people who believe in a different beautiful game, but this is our beautiful game and our story to write. So, you know, I'm not saying that we won't, will or won't engage in the market. So obviously we're always assessing and, you know, that's a great question for Lutz and, and Diego uh, to tackle over the next coming weeks. But um, right now we are dedicated uh, to getting this preseason done and, and putting everybody in the best spot to succeed. So I want to talk about um, player development, like you mentioned you know, been talking about how you can develop players that are a bit more seasoned. The academy is a massive point of pride for the club. The fans love to see um, a breakout star. Do you have um, hopes that we've got players in the ranks that we might see this season potentially? Yeah, listen, I mean, I think the Miggy Perez, the Caden Glover, I think we need to give them time to now not adjust because it's a big jump, right? Academy, homegrown contracts and what have you. I think we need to allow that. I think the academy is doing a great job in terms of, you know, developing, you know, whether it's a top-down approach, bottom-up approach, you know, so we always collaborate, we share ideas, we, you know, we, we, we try and enhance the player experience um, just in terms of what it means to be, you know, a pressing player. What does it mean to be, you know, a player who loves to win the ball up high? So these principles are ingrained in us. And I think you can see the UPSL doing an amazing job uh, still currently uh, in championship con contention, you know. Um, yeah, we've seen good, uh, good strides forward from all the academy teams this year. And then we've joined, you know, Tyson Pierce has joined us for a preseason camp again most recently. You know, Caden's with us for sure. Um, and then, you know, uh, Carson Locker, for example, or Nick Bishop, from you know the goalkeeping department uh, I always neglect the goalkeepers somehow you know <laughs> Alex Langer he's always like you forgot the goalkeepers again so made sure to give uh, Nick Bishop a shout you know I mean he, these guys have done amazing jobs and, and come with us you know it's a, it's an intimidating experience being part of a preseason where things are flying a million miles an hour and you know, that's where we need to sprinkle more opportunities like this. So Michael Wenzel has joined us as well now from City 2. He's a big leader in City 2. And um, yeah, listen, we, we let go of uh, Lucas Bartlett. And obviously, uh, there's a position up for grabs there as well. So we we checking in on Michael Wenzel. He's doing a great job. So he's part of our group right now. And um, yeah, we're just trying to bring everybody along. So yes, uh, there are a couple of names. Uh, Christian Olivares joins us now from City 2. He's our third choice goalkeeper. Um, again, you know, Roman speaks very highly of him. He sees the qualities he possesses every single day in training. Um, and again, it doesn't stop there, right? So just getting a, a pro contract just doesn't stop with City 2 or, or, or with us. That's when the work really starts. Do you relish that part, that side of the job when, you know, do you see a bit of yourself in some of these players, like you understand their mindset coming in and, you know, you've got Tyson looking and it's Roman Berkey, a Champions League yeah. goalkeeper playing there. Do you? Yes, um, you know, Part of me never respected those types of players. Um, I never really respected players who were much bigger than me or what have you. And I think that's what brought us equality, right? They saw that I wasn't intimidated by names or uh, numbers on the on the back of the jerseys. If you're number 10 and your name was Krasim Abalikov, or if you're number four and your name was Thomas Berthold, who won the World Cup in Italia 90. These were my teammates. And yeah, I treated them like teammates. Um, you know, I had respect for them, for sure. Off the field, even more so. But on the field, we were equals. And I think that's always, you know, 
stood me very well. Um, and that's my only advice is, yes, you push the buttons, you, you, you prove your equals, you know, despite age, despite experience. And yeah, you always want to push the buttons because yeah, guys, yeah, whether you're coming up or, or, you know, going down to a city two game to play. Yeah. There's always a bit of tension, I would say, and, and excitement at the same time, because I'm a, I'm a kid playing with Roman Burke. I'm a kid playing with Tim Parker, you know, how does that pan out? Um, and yeah, listen, Carson Locker is a good example. He's, you know, a guy who mixes it up with the pros and, and mixes it up and, and gets stuck in and, and does his bit. So it's always fun to watch this, you know, process between season pro and, and newbie coming in. Um, there's, a, there's a gap for sure, but then there's also a respect. And it's great to see older players giving back because essentially you're grooming those ones to take your job one day. So, um, yeah, our group's been fantastic with the new players. Um, would you mind um, giving a bit of an overview on how people like you are thinking about the loan system and how you use it to your advantage? Because Miggy Perez has, has gone out on loan to Birmingham. Like, how does, yeah. that, how does that work? So, I mean, without mentioning names, I worked with, with a player um, at the New York Red Bulls and, you know, was touted one of the best teenagers coming through the ranks. Um, and just by having him with us, he actually lost development time because sitting on a bench on Saturday you know, didn't get him minutes on a Saturday when this, the two team were playing or, you know, so he lost valuable minutes. So we always had him as a homegrown. We always had him as this, you know, young hotshot. Um, and unfortunately he didn't get the minutes he needed for his development and his process. Um, uh, so with me thinking out loud, you know, in discussions with Lutz and be like, you know, is Miggy more valuable just sitting on the bench with us? You know, is he ready for 90 minute performances week in, week out? Or is he better suited to develop in a game system, you know, in a, in a slightly lower level, you know, and the USL is an, it's a really good mechanism for, for Miggy to progress. So, you know, I don't want players to lose development. I'm actually trying to, we are actually trying to help them gain more experiences, get more match ready and be ready on call because, you know, at any time, uh, you saw how it worked with Sam and Dinaran uh, okay. last year. So, you know, rather than just uh, getting frustrated, being a training player, just, you know, not really putting on the jersey on the weekends. Yeah, go go create value. Go create uh, minutes. Go go get those minutes and go and enjoy this process and be a player in, in a regular format, in a regular environment. And that's the only way to gain that experience. So I see value at almost flipping the coin on the other side. And, you know, um, yeah, the Miggy will come around. Miggy will get his minutes, you know, and, and Miggy is now is a challenge for him because as the youngster, it's always nice and comfortable in, in, in St. Louis. So if you travel and leave and put yourself, you know, make yourself uncomfortable certain times, you, you can only develop more as a person, as a player. Your experiences will grow. You, you, you know, forge new friendships. You gain different cultural experiences. And I think this is magnificent. And this is a big, big, big piece for Miggy's uh, progress. So with um, the City 2 roster building, do you take a look in and see what's coming. Are you, are you part of that, that process or is it like, yeah, Bobby's, Bobby's been great with that. He's very open. Um, and always, you know, we always have one eye on, you know, physical tools and, and positional profiles and, you know, what do they bring to the table with and without the ball? And, you know, yeah, I think, uh, this year city two is going to be, you know, another level, you know, where they were last year. Um, and again, we've seen, City to grow from you know 2022 with 
I don't know, Akil, Chashiaro, Carl Hebert. I know there's so many players that Preselio progressed through through the ranks and actually gained valuable minutes for us and made valuable contributions. So there's no reason why that conveyor belt shouldn't continue to be. Um, obviously, you're not just force feeding four or five players up. Um, you know, looking at Connor Bradley now for Liverpool, um, magnificent coming through the ranks. Uh, you know, academy player getting now valuable time contributing now at the first team. So again, yeah, is there going to be five a year? No. Is there going to be one every two, three years? Maybe. Um, that's just the nature of the game, right? So uh, it's not always that every academy prospect or academy player pans out. I mean, you can look at the best academies in the world, Bayern Munich, all over the place. Um, you know, how many players from Leipzig ever made a first team debut, you know? So yeah, the percentages are very, very low and that's just the, that's just the nature of the game. But if you can continue to develop and invest in people, you know, whether it's here in St. Louis or whether it's, you know, somewhere else in a, in a USL or another professional team in the MLS, then it's just part of playing the facilitator. Mm -hmm. You know, we get first dibs at yeah. this prime prospect. Um, yeah, but again, we just want to continue to developing people. Fantastic. Let's talk about um, the roster build. Um, firstly, um, Jose Kojima yep. and Brendan McSorley. Uh, they come through the draft process. Give us a little bit of insight about these two players and, and what you've seen in them. Yeah, great work, work ethic from from both the guys now. From sort of seeing them in their college environments and then seeing them through, you know, Jose a little bit less because he arrived a little bit later. But uh, Brennan was, you know, full of energy from day one. Um, he's a runner, right? He's uh, he's a guy that commits to the principles that we we play by. Um, and again the levels, there's a big jump, right? So we're trying to integrate him, you know, as we go. Um, Jose is very curious, very inquisitive. Um, he's asks a lot of questions, um, dissects the game in many moments and wants to see video. And so you can see he's a great student of the game. Um, how can we develop that within his tools, his physical tools? His, he, he can play two positions. He can play a holding midfielder or, or an outside back on the right-hand side. Um, so yeah, these are interesting prospects, I must say. They both possess a ton of what we like um, individually as, as physical profiles. Um, and we just have to give them more reps at, at you know, these games coming up now in Coachella, um, the preseason games, you know, and, and uh, scrimmages here that City 2 might have. So, you know, there's no guarantees whichever direction one or the other. Um, but it's great to have them with us right now, um, and it's great to to see what they can what they can offer, and and gain the respect of their teammates. So you've added two players from Europe, um, one from MLS. Um, could you talk about the bigger picture of what you were trying to do to the squad? Yeah. Um, you know these last two months. Yeah, from a defensive standpoint, um, create more competition, um, create more depth, um, and I believe too deep on every position gives you a good, healthy uh, competition platform. And yeah, with the new um, tournament for us, you know, the Champions Cup, it's another, yeah. it's another cup competition. With Leagues Cup, it's, it's another one, the Open Cup, you know, so there's a, there's a ton of minutes to be shared amongst the players. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of sharing minutes. You were definitely <laughs> a fan of sharing minutes last season. So yeah. how that pans out this year, I don't know. Yeah. Every team has a different dynamic. Every new year starts its, uh, its own picture. Um, how, how that's going to pan out, I can't tell you. Um, but we're going to have, you know, take the first two weeks, you know, from our schedule. You know, we play four games in two weeks. 
Um, so that's going to be a challenge on its own, especially in preseason mode, mm-hmm. right? So we've got to get out that preseason mode really quickly and, and hit the ground running. So, yeah, um, the boys or the work that the boys are investing in now will, you know, help us through that little stretch as well. But again, uh, Thomas Totland creates, you know, both sides of the game, good final third entries, you know, he's, he's good in the build-up play. Um, yeah, he's got a good engine. Um, I think Nicholas Durer even... Um, you know, same similar attributes. Um, him and Anthony very similar suited uh, to each other. That'll be a great competition um, between between those two. Even Akil Watts has done an amazing job now in preseason at that position. He's done really well. We know he can flip between a six and and an outside back role. Um, and and Chris, you know, we we looked at his data, um, his running volume. Right. Yeah. He's not the biggest sprinter out there. But he covers tons of ground, you know, and just thinking, you know, at times in, in our defensive transition at times last year, we were left a little bit exposed and, you know, uh, we were thinking, how can we shore up a little bit of our defensive structure when we have the ball, right? So me as a coach thinking, well, we have the ball, we're at our most vulnerable because we lose it. What are we doing to win it back or what are we doing to recover? So, you know, that's where, where Chris Durkin comes into the picture. Um, and again, he's got good experiences under his belt. He's played in Europe, he's played in the MLS, so he knows what it's all about. Um, he's got, you know, an amazing mindset. He'll run through a brick wall for his teammates on the very first day of meeting them. So yeah, he's going to empty the tank every single game. I mean, to, to talk about Chris, I mean, at 23 years old, 12,000 yeah, minutes sure. of pro- professional football. Do you, um, do you look at that experience that he's had in Belgium? Is, is that, uh, are those extra tools in his armory? Does that say something about a player when they've traveled around a bit? I think so. I think going and being vulnerable, I think seeing a new place, um, you know, he played with Klaus, which is a nice little bit of information. Bonus, so yeah. a little bonus, making him feel more welcome here. You know, he's American, traveled abroad, was open to coming back and, and experiencing things uh, first at DC and then now with us. So, you know, for sure those experiences help. Um, and ex- for sure his, his American <laughs> history culture will help him here too so and he's proven that time and time again for dc and uh, yeah we're happy to have him here um nicholas comes from michelland um a club known for unearthing gems um like how, how long will it take players like that to adapt to the rigors of mls it's very different yeah. like travel is <clears throat> sure. extensive like do you um do you give them a, a timeline or do you expect them to hit the ground running I expect I expect Nicholas to hit the ground running. Like um, Thomas and Nicholas were were pretty much in season, pretty much right. So I mean, Nicholas might have had a couple of weeks down now uh, without much game action, but uh, he's got a good baseline of fitness, um, base levels. So um, so is Thomas. Um, so I expect these guys to to hit the ground running, to be able to compete from the very beginning. Um, we just have to see load wise. You know, with Nicholas, uh, Thomas has played some minutes now. We can assess and evaluate where he is. Um, and how we can gauge him and, and see if he's 90 minute ready. Uh, Nicholas, we'll have to put him through those first scrimmages. I think Galaxy comes a little bit too soon, um, but we'll have to get past that one with LAFC and then see how we can progress him, right? So um, these are nice little moments to have, but uh, they, they've played at big competitions. They've played in big formats. They've, you know, they've had great teammates. Um, the talent levels have been very high there. We believe in our capabilities. We believe in our team and, and how they can contribute to our team. We just feel we do things a little differently and uh, 
with tons of energy, right? We, we, we believe in the chaos system. We like a lot of chaos and, and even they getting up to speeds of, of how we operate here. So again, it's almost a culture shock for them. It's, it's, a, it's a way of, you know, I've gone through style of play videos with, with those two, with every new player. Um, they've asked questions. We've shown them positional profiles. So it's been really interesting again because I love this time of year because new guys come in, I get to start fresh with that new player, right? So it's no, there's nothing, no history there, right? So it's us with the player and the staff and how we can influence them within their skill set to be the best uh, possible version of themselves in, in a city red jersey. Do the players get excited about, you know, I know the fans are like really excited. They want to see these guys out on the pitch. Do the players have that yeah. kind of want to see, you know, what's this guy all about? After they, after they see our style of play video, they're like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, every time. I mean, when we watch the video ourselves as staff or show the players again, um, it's inspiring. You know, the energy that we put out, the commitment that we commit to each other, we give each other every single day on and off the field. Um, it, it takes a special group to do that uh, for 11 months of the year. So hopefully um, soon it could be 12 months of the year. Do you give them, do you give them any advice? Of now, you, now you're a seasoned vet in St. Louis. Do you give them, what's, what's your bit of St. Louis advice you give the guys? For the new guys coming in? Yeah. I mean, no, I wouldn't say any advice. You know, they have, they have a skill set. They have to come and show who they are, yeah. you know, um, and be positive and, and not arrogant in, in terms of I come from Europe, I deserve to be treated differently. So we don't, we don't treat players like that. We're all equals. Um, so, you know, we just try to lead by example, whether it's the staff or the players and, and show them how we are and, and we do things differently. You know, I spoke to, to Nicholas and Chris and we, our approach, it's different, right? So I'm a very approachable coach. Uh, for sure, I have my belief system. And like I said earlier in, in the podcast, you know, they've educated me as well in terms of my journey and how I forge and speak to different players. So that's part of my next step of, you know, each player has their own different character. They have to be spoken to differently. They have to be treated differently. They have different beliefs. They have different um, backgrounds, uh, cultures. So for me, going through all of that and, and uh, getting guys excited about how we do things here at City, um, it's an exciting journey because it's almost refreshes me as a coach in terms of our tactical profiles. Uh, and that's our baseline. That's our foundation. That's our non-negotiables. And now this is what we're adding this year. So let's talk about pre-season preparation. This time last year, you People are working at how to turn the lights on in the training round. <laughs> You've had a, a year under your belt. Is it slightly easier heading into the new season? Um, like now you've seen what the players can do or is it a whole set of new challenges? Yeah, you're not, you're not starting from scratch, right? So the, the principles, the philosophy, you're not starting from scratch. So every day you're not like, you know, the less the players hear of me, the better it is, right? So the less that I'm such a dominating voice, um, yeah, that means I don't believe we're on the right track, right? So now, you know, empowering staff, empowering players, empowering seasoned pros, vets, um, to, to be a lot more, yeah, I want them to be more of a voice. I want them more to take on the ownership. I want them to communicate these things more. And uh, I've seen already a little bit of that, a little bit more openness to being, you know, not just, I wouldn't say told what to do because we have a we have a framework. This is how we're doing it, and you guys, you know, let's chat about see how we can get to the best possible solutions within this framework. And now to see the players driving it on their own, I think that's almost, you know, I think that's what every coach loves to see is when players take ownership and drive it on themselves. Um, so no, we're not starting from scratch, which is now part of evolving 
how are we not getting stale? How can we now keep on um, sprinkling pieces of information to the players, whether it's with the ball, whether it's against the ball, whether it's now giving them new data to track, you know? So in games, we'll give them certain things in preseason that, hey, this is what we're tracking. So, you know, they are aware that we are tracking things in games, even in preseason. So when they get into a position on the field, they'll be like, oh, I remember this, let's get connected, let's do all together, let's break up the side. And um, so there's a couple of little tactical tweaks that we've, we've you know, committed to, um, and we committed to trying these things in preseason. And, and um, yeah, if that pans out successful, we'll continue that through the season. So one thing that will definitely change is the media narrative. Uh, last year, you were an afterthought. <laughs> not a 13 or a 14. <laughs> not a 13 or a 14. Is it, um, are you prepared that your team now has a target on its back and people are going to want a piece? They're going to want to take chunks out of you yeah. because that will show that they're on the right path. How does, how does that change the dynamic? Yeah, we saw this a little bit against Nashville already. Um, you know, um, we saw how much it meant to Nashville. Um, you know, really taking it to us from a physical standpoint. You know, this is the preseason. This is the preseason game a couple of days ago, and we said to the players, "Boys, we have to step up to it." Right. So uh, we finished the game two-two, and we said to the players after the game, "You can see now how it's going to be. Every opponent is coming with intent. Every opponent is matching. If we define ourselves by intensity, they're matching it. So what are we doing differently?" because we can't just be intense. There has to be something else, right? So we believe we have a, you know, a lot of quality in our group as well. We believe that we can break down teams in different methods and different mechanisms. Um, but yes, uh, we've created a winning culture. So we've set standards and how we can track that if it's working or not, we set standards in training. So, you know, uh, we can show the players literally on video or we track it and we can show them at the end of the three weeks or a month that they've lost seven games in their eight scrimmages in training. So. What are they doing to get on board to reset? What are they doing? So, you know, we're always just keeping everyone honest and, and making sure we're driving standards, driving culture, playing by the way we want to play um, and showing pictures every day. So how can we how can we get better as a staff, right? So now we've started showing video of our training sessions, you know, in the breakfast meal rooms. So guys are looking, having breakfast and either it's a joke, we maybe show some nice funny things or we'll show some really tactical um, you know, little tweaks, what we're trying to do or philosophy, um, non-negotiables and, and holding ourselves to those standards. So we're always trying to find ways to push the button. You uh, implemented the your principles last year. Is there like a, a do you have a roadmap? Is, is, the, is the vision implemented? Is it complete? Or are there, is there more to come f- from, from your coaching and where you want to take the players? Yeah, I don't think it's all, I mean, I hope, would never get, I don't even think Jurgen Klopp would say his vision's complete yeah. <laughs> after 20 summer years of coaching, right? So for me in my first year, it, it's, it's the ability not to, not to become too, um, how would I say, explore, exploring or, you know, to try everything, right? right okay. Because this is the signature, this is who we are. Now, can I add a percent here, a percent there? and evolve slightly myself as a coach and how I message things, um, how I present things with my staff. And so that's, again, me adapting to new ideas from from everybody else involved. Um, But again, we don't want to stray away too much from who we are because then you forget who you are, right? So, and if, if we finished 13th or 14th last season, then we would be rethinking the game model. Right. (laughs) I don't think we need to rethink the game model just yet, right? We need to sprinkle some magic sauce on it, right? So we need to just now 
go ahead now and how can we refine the game model within our uh, principles of play, which, which gives us excitement. And, you know, for sure, we're not going to deviate to, you know, we believe in like transitional game, um, you know, with and without the ball. And that's what will remain. But how else can we now become more of a weapon, you know, when things slow down, when there's no transitions? How can we, you know, be better in the final third? How can we create more, you know, um, definitive moments um, and pose teams more problems? And and we're saying that from a high caliber because we scored 60-something goals last year. So you'd be like, are you crazy? Why would you be looking there? You should be looking somewhere else. But and, and these are the extent, you know, that we are looking at things, even when things are going well. We're trying to poke holes in the things that went well um, and just to see if we're on the right track or does the data or the eye test suggest otherwise. So you, you innovate within the system and then, uh, you know, a lot of the preseason is tweaking things that yeah. could be better elsewhere. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, and I think innovation is a part of it, you know, and what worked last year might not work this year. We have some new players. We have a different feeling about us. I didn't have to, last year I had to create a belief system within the players that they are worthy of playing in the MLS, that they are worthy of renewing like their career, that they are not done down and out. Um, so we've got that now. We're up and running. We are those players and we've created value. So now how do we now just continue the pathway of success and continue believing in the, in the system and continue believing in, in what we do every day is, is the way to go. You started with extreme power last season. It was, yep. I mean, record-breaking. <laughs> um, are you, do you consider the, the length of the season as part of things that you're going to tweak this year? Is, is how you peak something that you can control um, now that you've had a year's worth of data? Yeah, listen, I don't think, and I mean, we've had a look at medical data. We've had a look at the physical data. We've had a look at the tactical data. Um, physically wise, you know, I don't think we burnt out. I don't think uh, from an injury perspective, you know, we lost two names during the season, Klaus and Leuven. Um, but if you look at the availability rates in training and, and games, we had 94, 95% availability from the whole roster in, in, in the whole season. So, you know, players were always ready. Players were always fit. Players were always 90 minute ready. Um, and how that looked at the end of the season. Do we want that to look like that at the end of the season? For sure not. Um, you know, I don't think there's one thing that I can maybe, uh, it's just a mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So. You know, we were so determined of proving people wrong. And, and did we burn ourselves out towards the end of the stretch there when we knew first place is achievable in the West, you know? And I'm not saying that's not what we should strive for. But, you know, that's the playoff system. It's the American system. So yeah. there's been many teams who never finished the first. They finished fifth or sixth and went on to win the MLS Cup. So, you know, is a timing throughout the season and is it fatigue and rest and recovery and regen and how do we get it going again um, to renew the vigor and excitement and enjoyment and yeah I'm just thinking of ways and means to prolong that for sure to get to a playoff stretch and you know we we, we competing every single day and we want to remain competitive this season um, not to prove everybody wrong but to prove that we've been on the right track ourselves you know so now it's just more validation for ourselves that we believe we have high standards we believe we can be competitive we believe we can win we've shown it we want to show ourselves again you know I don't think this has got anything to do with the outside world anymore uh, we believe in what we are doing and we've seen it can be successful now we want to continue that for ourselves availability was incredible last year um, and so was the amount of starting 11s that you played. Is um, unpredictability of starting 11 
is that one of your secret weapons? Um, because um, it, and, and was that part of your, your, your strategy last year? It, it kind of, you know, when I became interim coach at the Red Bulls, you know, for me it was cut out entitlement, right? Everyone has a chance. And that's how we started it here. Everyone has a chance. And if we believe in the collective, right, we, we prided ourselves on, you know, the designated team. So why would I rely on 11 players and not believe in the designated team? And when it's going so well, we're getting results, we're being successful, we're being competitive. You know, yes, there were one or two games that get away from us and we were pretty like, eh, this one didn't go how quite expected. Um, but then a game or two later, we bounce back and we back up, up and running. So, you know, again, I, I can't see there's new chemistry in the team, there's new, there's new personnel in the team. You know, it might be a different dynamic this year. We have to see how that just goes. A play Everyone was on form last year. Everyone was giving their best. Everyone was firing, right? So why wouldn't I reward somebody who should be? And we believe that positions are really equal, you know, um, at times, especially in the attacking department. Um, we believed in a lot of the uh, uh, equality there and guys were getting rewarded. And, you know, we go 10 goals with um, Joa, we get 10 goals with Klaus and we get eight goals with, with Sam. So, I mean, why wouldn't we believe in this system if it's returning us with, with 28 goals from our three strikers? I mean, many teams would love those returns. One reward for the, for the brilliant performances of last year is a place in the Champions Cup. Um, did you expect to be in the Champions Cup so early in, in the club's existence? No, but being part of it at the Red Bulls, you know, just, I loved that tournament. I enjoyed that tournament. I loved traveling. I was new to America. So I don't know whether it was Dominican Republic or, you know, being to Mexico and visiting Chivas, Guadalajara. What an amazing experience to go to Tijuana. Oh my, like it's, it's incredible. Like these experiences for me just helped me develop further as a, as a person, as, as now as a coach um, and, and getting those yeah, we're playing Houston. I know that, you know, we we playing, if we, you know, progress to the next round, then it's another MLS opponent. So, you know, but still playing in this tournament, it's, it gives value. It, it gives a sense of value. It gives a sense of belonging and a sense of achievement, right? So based on what you've done the year before, it also presents a whole new challenge. Um, you have to be in ready mode and you're just coming out of preseason mode. So how does that now pan into the equation? You know, how can we hit the ground running? So, Preseason is key for us now um, and, you know, not leaving any training session un unturned. We're taking every session really seriously, but it's just a, a celebration of now what was last year and now we can redo it again in a different name and that name now is the Champions Cup. So, you know, we're excited as a group. We're excited for the city to put us on display in the CONCACAF region. Um, yeah, I'm just looking for hopefully other trips <laughs> outside of America sometime. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, you were part of a lot of fun away days last season. You mentioned some of them um, at the top of the podcast. Uh, one that uh, pops out to fans, it, we are playing into Miami. Um, yep. Some of the best players in the world, one of the best managers in the league. How excited are you to, um, you know, test your wits against the team that, um, that is built expensively yeah it's fun right it's fun being the underdogs and going against the world stars uh, guys who've had great impact and influence over the game um, coaches similarly so so for me you know Tata has been in the league many years uh, especially with Atlanta and there always used to be the Atlanta Red Bull rivalry you know we saw Tata here last year um, so for me I've never 
cared about names on jerseys, you know, um, credit to them for what they've done through their careers. But when we step over those white lines, you know, now I'm on the outside of the white line, but I still feel part of the, the energy and part of what we were doing. And yeah, like I said, we step over that line, there's no respect, right? We respect them for what they've done for the game. But when we step over that, I'm going to be the party pooper. So if you get lost on the 2nd of June, you're going to lose from what's March to then, right? We don't want to lose what's 20th of February and what happens after that. So, you know, for us, getting to a moment and getting to be able to play against certain teams or certain statuses of, of you know, competitions, you don't want to be lost in the in the journey because if you just think about the outcomes you're on a on a pathway to failure um, for me it's about training today at 10 o'clock in the morning and then tomorrow flying to california and then it's going you know how do we present ourselves against the la galaxy on saturday so that's for me is the journey um and if you get those steps right then success you know could be your friend um, and if you put yourself in the best spot to succeed along those building blocks then the games against Miami um, against star-studded teams, that becomes a celebration. Um, and, and I think it is a celebration because to have those names in the MLS are great. Um, but it's for us even greater to go against them because we're still the bunch of nobodies. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, there is one game the, the fans will definitely have in the map, Sporting Kansas City. Um, can you tell us what it's like to be part of a rivalry like that? And do you, do you look forward to the atmospheres that come with games like that? I do, and I think it's really grown into something special. How many games were there? Five or six? Um, like you know, it did feel like a lot. And, and obviously, we won meaningful games in the regular season. Um, they get us over the playoff stretch, um, so which kind of you know leaves everyone with a certain distaste or on their side tasteful. Um, so for me, I think it's it's forming and merging in the right direction. Um, there's a lot of respect uh, for. For, for, for me as a coach uh, with Peter, you know, there's a lot of respect there. Um, there's a lot of respect for me as, as an organization looking at them. They've achieved a lot as a club. Um, so for us, a rivalry has to be earned. And, you know, by us, you know, winning the Western Conference in the regular season, we've earned respect in the league. And that's all I could ever ask for because, you know, a baby who doesn't crawl, you know, b before it starts running. I mean, look, come on, you have to look, go through those stages. So we went through the crawling, you know, we were the toddler phase and now we're pretty much a, a teenager, you know, um, I would say in terms of our rivalry. Uh, it's not quite, uh, you know, mature as, as some people would like to right now. I think it's still very premature, uh, this rivalry, but I think it's trending in the right way, especially how things went so early in the season last year and how things went at the end of the year, um, which left everybody with a bit of excitement, energy, anger, disappointment, mixed emotions, and that's what a rivalry should bring. So Bradley, what, is, what does success look like for you this season? Yeah, we want to be competitive in all the competitions, um, but you know, there's one competition that's on our mind, and and that's the the season, the regular season, right? So that's uh, um, that's our main priority, and uh, to do well in that puts us in positions to succeed. So playoffs is on our mind as a group, as a club, um, and, and you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say we're not prioritizing any other uh, competition, but you know, that has to be our priority. You know, we believe in 34 match days, and and we duke it out and see where we are. Um, you know, and see what happens else uh, with the other competitions and, and hit the ground running and, you know, maybe maybe have a clean sweep here or there and, and find momentum within a certain competition and then roll with it and, and give everything to that. And yeah, nothing changes us by trying to win our next game. So in whichever competition that is, we want to win our next game. 
Um, but for us and every player in that locker room, every staff member, uh, we want to we make the playoffs. Fantastic. Well, let's finish the podcast off with a tradition. Um, I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love you to give a, a message to the fans um, about what they can expect from you this season or just whatever you want. Yeah, just keep the party going. You know, I know we, we had this whole of the last year from seeing the, the standing uh, fans throughout pretty much the whole season. Uh, it was hair raising stuff. It was incredible, inspirational uh, at the same time, just to get the party started again. You know, we're going to do our bit and, and hope to get the fans on board. We're going to uh, hope to inspire. We're going to hope to get out the best product on the field. We're going to hope to, you know, introduce the new players to you. We're going to hope to surprise you, um, you know, a few uh, a few times down the line. And you'll be like, wow, these guys have been really doing something special in preseason. So we're working hard for these moments. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to to feel the reception, to feel the warmth, to, you know, how can we intimidate opposition even more when they come to City Park you know so that's an appeal on the fans to to think about something you know how, how we can you know intimidate fans or intimidate uh, visiting teams and yeah when we are here putting it on at City Park and uh, putting our game model on display which is full of intensity which is full of passion and heart and desire everything that this community stands for how can we put that and continue to do that um, in 2024. Well, you heard it here first, City fans, bring the party next season. You've been told by Bradley Carnell. Bradley, thank you so much for joining the podcast. We'd love to have you in uh, the mid-season break to, to chat about where we are. Best of luck. The whole city's behind you. And uh, congratulations on signing your new deal. Thank you very much. And uh, again, see you soon. And hopefully through the summer months and uh, we find a time for each other uh, to do this. Because I believe that was way too long between podcasts, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be putting a message out later after this podcast. Okay, City fans, well, uh, you know the deal. Get on there, give us a five-star review, tell Bradley how good he was and he'll come back in the mid-season uh, mid break. And on that note, I'll say ciao for now. Thank you.